host, Elizabeth Urban. And I'm your other host, Erin Gessert. Happy Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Yeah, so April marks Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And at ISU, um, there have been, well, there are four events that are happening throughout the month of April. And today was the Clothesline Project, which is where um, survivors of sexual assault have made T-shirts that, um, you know, kind of symbolize their sexual assault experience. It's kind of up to them on what they write on the shirt. Um, And so a few organizations on ISU's campus um, have come together and they have made like these clotheslines where they hang up all of the shirts and um, they have, they've been having the shirts be made for over 25 years. And um, one of the organizers told me that they have, they had 150 hung up, but they have like 500 in total that they like rotate throughout the day. That's so crazy. And they also have a table for, um, attendees to make their own shirt and I'm not necessarily sure if like I don't think that there is like the requirement that you have to be like a sexual assault survivor to make a shirt like I'm pretty sure you can just make a shirt like it like to you know like to show your support yeah I thought it was survivors or those who know somebody who's a survivor yeah I think it's you know I mean they're not going to uh tell people they can't make a shirt because it's like right um but yeah uh it's a it's a very tricky topic to talk about because mm-hmm. it is such a sensitive topic to a lot of people, but it's also a very important topic to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the discussion on sexual assault is one of of of, of all of the societal problems that we have. I feel like sexual assault is one of the ones that is being talked about more and more. Yeah, definitely. I, and I think that's a good thing. Oh, for sure. Because the more that you talk about it, the more it um, diminishes victim stigma mm-hmm. or it diminishes victim blaming mm-hmm. and it helps people realize that they're not alone because people, yeah. when the people think that they are alone, they're more inclined to do things that will only harm them further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I think the clothesline project has a lot to do with victim blaming because of the t-shirts, because, um, one of the organizers that I spoke to was telling me how there was something at like the New York fashion week that I don't, I'm not sure if it was directly related with the same clothesline project that ISU hosts, but New York Fashion Week had victims of sexual assault, like, hang up what they had on, like, oh, the clothing yeah. they I've had seen, on when they I've were sexually the assaulted. Yeah. And so that kind of, like, you know, fights the stigma of, you know, the question of, oh, well, what were you wearing? Mm-hmm. The idea that clothes can incline that you have given consent, which is right. absolutely not true mm-hmm. and could not be farther from the truth. Right. I remember see yeah, I've seen that gallery myself mm-hmm. and there's like kids' clothes. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna that's say so heartbreaking. Uh-huh. Yeah. And how could you say somebody was asking for it when they're wearing like little mermaid pajamas, you right. know? Like mm-hmm. ugh. That's... It's so disgusting. But also again, so important to talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful that people are open to sharing their stories that mm-hmm. when it comes to that. And it also kind of ties into an event that's happening next week on campus. Um, next week uh, is Denim Day. April 26th is Den- Denim Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a worldwide campaign to end vi- victim-blaming ideologies and raising awareness for sexual assault. It started in Italy after a woman um, lost her court case against a rapist because the jury decided that since she had been wearing tight jeans that in some way she must have helped her rapist take them off, which is 
mind-boggling yeah. to think how that's even like a reasoning. But in support of the this girl, once this case went public, um, women across the country wore jeans to work the following day. Mm-hmm. And so that's been just, uh, and since then it's spread more worldwide of on that day, you wear at least jeans. If not, I've participated in the past. I've worn full denim, like mm-hmm. jean jacket and jeans. Um, it's just... I don't know. It's one of the another one of those things to dispel this victim blaming ideology while also showing your support for survivors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really important that these events are happening on ISU's campus because, like, college campuses are like unfortunately home to a lot of rape and sexual assault mm-hmm. cases, and so I think it's really important for college kids to see this stuff. And um, so I covered the clothesline project this morning. And when I was talking to people, like, it's just, it's really interesting to, like, see people around our age, like, really be affected by seeing this stuff. And, like, you read what is on the shirts and it's, like, it personalizes, like, anonymous people's experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, it's all, like, different. Like, each shirt is so unique, but, like, yeah. Yeah, I remember walking, I haven't gotten the chance to go see the one today. But I remember walking through the one last year and reading a couple of the shirts and, like I said, just kind of talking about in general, but also, like, the individual messages on the shirts are so Mm gut-wrenching. And I think the shirt also helps personify it because, you know, somebody could be wearing that shirt, but instead it's hanging up on a clothesline project Mm -hmm. with some words on it. Yeah, and I think it's important, too, that, like, they – all of the shirts have been made by people who – are in the Bloomington Normal community or went to ISU because, like, that also really, like, connects you to it because it's, like, these are people that sat in the same lecture hall as me, that went to the same dining hall as me, that, Mm -hmm. you know, went, drove around the same, you know, streets. Yeah, somebody who has walked through this gallery before Mm -hmm. on the same path as I am right now. Right, because it's, like, you see statistics. You see, like, you know, what is it, like, one in three women? One in six are... Hold on, let me pull it up. I had it open. Um, one in six women will be a, a victim of sexual assault or sexual assault attempt mm-hmm. at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like you see those statistics and, like, they mean a lot, but, like, when you have something that you can visibly see, like, I feel like that is more, like, it draws more emotion and I feel like it it makes it more of, like, a something that you can empathize with more mm-hmm. it's just I don't know because a lot of the talk that we have around sexual assault is so stigmatized mm-hmm. that a lot of people who do share their experiences share it anonymously which mm-hmm. is totally up to every individual person but it again kind of takes away like that personality I guess mm-hmm. from it because you don't have a face to the or a name to the story mm-hmm. so I don't know I guess there's especially in this age of misinformation and fake news or whatever, that I think it, when there is no name or face attached to it, that it gives people leeway to just be like, oh, somebody made that up. Right. Or, oh, it's just a, a not a hyperbole, what's the... Um, like uh, an exaggeration? Yes. Like a what if, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like a, an example or something. Mm-hmm. But all these, all of this, all of those stories that are hanging on the quad right now are stories that actually happen to people, mm-hmm. and that's so scary to think about. It's so crazy, 
but it's also kind of highlights that our need for change, you know, mm-hmm. and like how, how we need to stop victim blaming. We need to provide more resources for survival, survivors, but also, you know, instill this public mindset that that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the public mindset is one of the most important things too, because I feel like, like a lot of people who have, you know, reported sexual assault are then kind of, when they talk to the police, they're kind of like the police don't ask the right questions or they don't believe them. Mm-hmm. And so then that makes them not report their incident or just think like, well, the officer didn't believe me, so is a jury going to? Like you could put that into them and then it's like when someone then doesn't pursue that case, then it makes other people not as empowered, I feel like, to share their story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't have this one pulled up directly in front of me, but I remember a couple of years ago seeing, like, a statistic that, like, 90% of rape cases go unreported. Yeah. Which is a shocking amount mm-hmm. of, like, yeah. I don't know. I I feel like in recent years there's been so much attention on um, fake reports of, mm-hmm. um, of men being accused. Speci- this can happen to either gender, but specifically of men being accused of rape when they didn't actually do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people talk about how, oh, it's ruining his career, it's ruining his life. But at the same time, it's like, you know, those fake reports are such a minuscule amount of reports. Yeah. I thought it was like 0.1% or mm-hmm. something. No, yeah. Of all I, reports yeah. are fake reports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I when mean, we give so much attention to the fake reports, it diminishes, you know, the real reports that people are doing and people who actually need justice. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like that does happen because I feel like when a report is found to be fake, like, it is blasted all over social media, not even comparable to when a truthful one is reported and, like, you know, found out. Um, But, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but I don't think that a lot of people would, you know, publicly say they were sexually assaulted if it's a lie. Mm -hmm. Like, that, I don't... That doesn't, like, really, like, add up to me. But, I mean, there are, like, a variety of, you know, reasons for why people don't um, report it. And I think a big reason is when they know who did it. Um, yeah. Slash when they don't know because of alcohol, for example. Which, obviously, like, like that does not... Like, if you drink alcohol, like, it's not your fault if something happens. But I feel like you know, the not knowing everything could definitely, like, scare someone. Oh, absolutely. I mean, kind of like we've been talking, there's just such a big stigma still around it. Mm -hmm. So if you are sexually assaulted, then um, there is kind of like this idea, I think, that that you should be embarrassed about it. Mm -hmm. It's shameful that it happened. And a lot of the times, because of how much victim blaming we have instilled in society, innately the victims will think it's their fault at first Mm -hmm. or be like oh what could I have done to to prevent it Mm -hmm. and I know people who are have had close friends bring about like why did you put yourself in that situation yeah or why didn't you do this instead or did you try this and it's always kind of like instead of looking at the at the perpetrator and being like how could you there's always kind of like a well why didn't you have pepper spray on you why didn't you uh, retaliate you know Mm -hmm. stuff like that and you know, kind of, again, like, diminishes the responsibility that we give the attacker. Mm -hmm. No, right. And it's, like, like, going off of that, too, it's, like, 
I feel like a lot of victims will also blame themselves for like what could I have done but it's like I mean this might just be me watching a lot of crime shows but it's like like doctors will say how like when you go through a traumatic experience like some people like experience where they literally just freeze up yeah and like they can't do anything about Mm -hmm. it because you're going through something that's so traumatic that like you're not in like the same headspace that you would be in a non like I don't like I don't know how to say it like if someone like you'd like to think that if someone comes up to you and tries to like grab your purse that you'd like try to fight them off or something but a lot of the times like it's probably like you you don't like you don't know what to do yeah everybody's uh, panic response everybody's fight or flight response is so different Mm -hmm. you'd never know what what you're gonna do until something actually happens to you which is really unfortunate there are ways that, you know, we can try and prepare ourselves, you know, taking self-defense classes, um, just knowing kind of like having kind of like a game plan in case you were in that scenario. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, you never know if you're going to be able to recall that kind of information mm-hmm. or if, like you said, if you just go into like a freeze response. Mm-hmm. I know that um, uh, this has also been a problem with a lot of um, rape and sexual assault cases is they often ask the victim to kind of, you know, recall every possible detail of what happened, where, again, your body's response to a traumatic situation is often to block things out. Yeah. To prevent yourself from being more and more emotionally damaged and hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. Because when you forget stuff, it can't hurt you, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, and I feel like, um, you know, also, too, like, I've heard this phrase somewhere, but it's like when sexual assault victims have to kind of tell their story again it just like re-traumatizes them Mm -hmm. and I mean obviously like there are people who have taken that experience and you know now they kind of serve to I don't know like give talks about it and can kind of like I don't know if like mentor is the right word but like there's other people who are very vocal about it um like I remember um last year I interviewed this woman who created a sexual assault like art gallery where, like, people wrote letters, and, like, it was in the normal public library, and so, like, that's just, like, one example, I would say, of, like, someone turning a traumatic experience into something that other people can not only learn from, but, like, like, really appreciate, I feel like. Yeah, but at the same time, I also want to highlight that, like, you know, you don't have to kind of make the best out of your situation. Yeah. You know, I think that they're just kind of, like, not just in response to sexual assault, but also just kind of, like, if in response to anything bad that ever mm-hmm. happens to people with our society, we kind of have this, oh, and but then I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and now here I am as like the top figure in my company, mm-hmm. you know, type of mindset. Yeah. And like that absolutely does not have to be everybody. You don't have to go and make a gallery out of anything. You don't have to um, write an essay, write a book, write a poem mm-hmm. or anything about your experience. But I do think that those kind of things definitely help. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, keeping any kind of traumatic situation to yourself only hurts you more. If you're not talking to a professional, maybe talk to a friend or a family member. Mm -hmm. It's like one out of six is a crazy number. You know, somebody's going to understand you. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to at least sympathize and somebody cares about you. So it's definitely good to get it out in some format, whether, whether that's just ranting to somebody and talking to somebody or whether that is turning into art, writing a letter Mm-hmm. Making a t-shirt. Right. I don't know. There's different ways to process trauma, but I just think that 
everybody should be encouraged to do it in some kind of way, whether that's, you know, their own choice uh, in the format or, you know, being, you know, just kind of looking into it and taking inspiration from others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I did want to um, highlight, again, about sexual assault on college campuses. I have the source that I have pulled up is the RAIN website. Oh, yeah. Um, I need to figure out what that stands for. Um, Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. I did want to just highlight really quick that, like, sexual assault is more prevalent on college campuses compared to other crimes. Like, this is one of the most common crimes that, I guess, gets reported on a college campus. Mm-hmm. Um, five robberies for every four sexual assaults, two sexual assaults for every one robbery. Like, I don't know. It's just... I. Th- I really am happy about how much attention that ISU is devoting to it. I don't know if I would give all the credit to ISU. A couple of these um, um, organizations are student-organized, which is cool to see. Like, you're talking about um, uh, the student who was talking about the Clothesline Project, who is a part... I I know who you're talking about, Mm -hmm. so... And she's a part of Students Ending Rape Culture, which is Mm -hmm. an RSO on campus that focuses on this kind of issue, like, all year round. Yeah. Which is really cool. Right. As well as the Student Wellness Ambassador Team, which that one is more closely affiliated with ISU. They work with the Student Wellness Services and stuff like that. Yeah, Health Promotion and Wellness was there, too. Yeah, and that one is ISU. Yeah, they're like ISU, because I know I've... I know, like, adults work in there, too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, I mean, I feel like even, like... Whether or not it's, like, you know, faculty or, like, ISU, like, like student-run organizations, like, I still feel like it is very important for other students, especially, to, like, walk to class and see that. And, like, because then it's, like, it's something that, like, you can't ignore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you see something on the news, like, you can just, you know, close that tab. But when you see something that's, like, right in front of you and it's physical, like, that serves as more of a reminder that, like, you, it's something that, like, you can't ignore. Absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. I will say that it's also um, very nice that, at least, like, speaking from, like, a journalist perspective, that, like, whenever we get, like, a traumatic event that happens on campus, like, a, I don't know, like, a robbery or, like, a... Um, there, earlier this year, there was actually a series of sexual assault reports yeah, that happened in the dorms. But at the, regardless of the crime, there every time that ISU police or normal police send something, usually it's ISU police or ISU news. Mm-hmm. Every time they send something, they have listed student counseling services at the bottom, mental health services. Yeah. And I do appreciate that yeah. every time they send that out because it is a very good reminder. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, if you have been affected by this, there are people who can help you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, ISU does do a good job about that. Um, Like, I feel like whenever things are, whenever, like, a crime is committed or, like, something tragic happens, they Mm -hmm. always do, like, put that blurb at the bottom, like, about the counseling. Yeah, which I think is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I do have, again, with the same rain um, subject, they says that, um, campus law enforcement has a significant role in addressing and responding to college sexual assault, which we kind of just talked about a little bit already, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to see. I don't know how much of this pertains to ISU, but it says 86% of sworn campus law enforcement officials have legal authority to arrest someone outside of campus grounds. 
So, you know, if usually if you live off campus, you can call normal police or something. But yeah. if you have an incident and you're a student off campus, you could still call ISU. Yeah. Maybe. This is 80, 86%, but I would think that ISU I would think so, is something like similar to it at least. I feel like also... Um, ISU's campus, like, in comparison, I feel like with other colleges, like, our campus and where people have their apartments are right around the Yeah. Clock. Like, I feel like that would, like, in other colleges, I feel like, where, like, people actually commute, like, 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I feel like that could be different, but. Yeah. I don't know. I also know that I took a class on Title IX, actually, mm-hmm. last semester, which was really cool. But something I didn't know that ISU offers is that if you have, if you are sexually assaulted on campus, but, or the person who sexually assaulted you goes to the same college and you don't want to file a police report, you can file through Title IX Mm -hmm. to ensure that, you know, you won't have any more classes with this person. This person is maybe suspended from stuff, Mm -hmm. um, put on academic probation, whatever, so that they have some kind of punishment, even if it's not on their police or, Mm -hmm. you know, their, their record. Right. No, yeah, I remember, like, like, because I feel like that could, you know, like, depending on what the person wants, like, that, you know, like, that could work for them. But I know, like, also in the past when people have been accused of sexual assault, it gets then handed over to the administration. And then mm-hmm. the administration, like, will then just suspend the person and then that's it. Like, that's their punishment. They don't yeah. bring it to the cops. They don't do anything about that. Um, and a lot of times the victim isn't even involved in that, like in the disciplinary like action. Yeah, it's like a, it's one of those scenarios where it's like it's better than nothing, but at the same time, you wish more could have been done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is a very hard situation to walk when, like you know, ultimately, ultimately it is the victim's decision with what they want to do mm-hmm. with the case. Yeah. And as we kind of mentioned, having to re. Live. live that situation on while you're on trial while mm-hmm. you're in front of a committee or whatever mm-hmm. is very traumatic and a yeah. lot of people don't want to have to endure that so obviously that affects the punishment that their perpetrator can receive right because it is unfortunate that like you know in a lot of rape cases it's just kind of a he said he said she said kind of moment mm-hmm. but i don't know i think obviously we still have a lot of ways to improve how we handle sexual assault and the way we discuss sexual assault moving forward but I don't know. I feel like we're on the right track at least, Mm -hmm. or we've made some progress at least in the past couple of years. Yeah. I will say, like, I feel like in comparison with, I think, like, other issues and other awareness months, there are a lot of activities for Sexual Assault Awareness Month on ISU's campus. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that the event that... Because it's like, having an event obviously is good, but I think that especially the clothesline project like I think that that's a very effective event I agree I agree I think it's one of the better ones Mm -hmm. I would say yeah not to diminish the importance of the other ones but I think it's just since you brought this up it's so visual yeah that like it immediately draws people's attention I always see a ton of people walking at least walking through it and maybe Mm -hmm. if they're not stopping to stare at everything Mm -hmm. but at least they're kind of acknowledging it right which is a good start yeah and it's just a beautiful movement as well to empower survivors which is always appreciated. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up today's episode of Tea Time. Once again, I'm one of your hosts, Elizabeth Urban. And I'm your host, Erin Wiesel.